For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a very, very special episode. Of course, I am Sam Roberts, the host of this podcast. Still, to this day, a giant wrestling fan. I don't hate watch wrestling. I love watch wrestling. I love watching wrestling. And I talk about it here every week with you, with wrestlers, with whoever's around on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Cody Rhodes has made a lot of news in the world of wrestling. He left WWE on his own terms. He quit because he didn't like what was going on uh, with him in that company. And what's he done? He's gone on a wrestling journey where he's basically gotten to do everything he's ever wanted to. He made a checklist. And on that list uh, was things like uh, uh, BOLA, Battle of Los Angeles, was uh, guys like Kurt Angle, Chris Hero, uh, uh, all uh, a ton of stuff. And it was all the stuff... Uh, that is involved in this world of wrestling that exists outside of WWE. This weekend, he made a stop in Rawway, New Jersey for the WrestlePro show because the name Pat Buck was on his list. Now, Pat Buck was considered a dark horse of this list, but a lot of people don't know that Pat Buck and Cody Rhodes started in developmental together. Pat Buck has a huge amount of friends and respect in the world of pro wrestling, Um, and it's amazing that more people don't know who he is. But if you want to know more about Pat Buck, go back a few episodes and you'll find the podcast I did with Pat Buck. Today, it's a podcast with Cody Rhodes. Uh, I was able, I was fortunate enough uh, to be able to do this live. We only, I'm sorry if you didn't hear about it. We only announced it like a day before. Stay in touch with me on Twitter at NotSam so you can find out about this stuff. But we did the podcast live for a very small audience in Rahway, New Jersey before the WrestlePro show. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. It was so great talking to Cody. Uh, so let's get right into it. Here's my interview with Cody Rhodes uh, from Rawway, New Jersey. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. So I'll give a round of applause first. Yeah. Well, I didn't say what it was for. It was for Cody Rhodes, but I didn't mention that that was what it was for. They just started applauding. No, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> give, uh, give, I think Sam deserves a very big raucous round of applause for so? doing this yeah oh, wow. all right so are we truly live by the way i mean we're yeah we're live to tape oh so okay <laughs> so if things go totally off the rails it's okay right 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 well if things go totally off the rails it'll probably just stay perfect um but i've been in this building many times most of these people are familiar faces you guys have been in this building many times but you have never been in this building correct never so what's it like it's been how long that you've been on the uh, independent circuit, a month? I think this is week four. And what's it been like? So uh, when I walked in today, Cole Cabana asked me, he said, uh, have you had a really bad one yet? Yeah. He said, as much as you've had really good ones, like uh, PWG and, 
and Northeast Wrestling. I, everything so far has been really good. He said, you'll really enjoy when you have a bad one. <laughs> when, you, when there's more people backstage than there are out there. Right. When, when it's like crickets and you can like just the ring falling apart and all that. I have yet to have that. Um, but I'm looking, I'm waiting for the moment it happens. But so far... Uh, everything has been sold out or close to sold out, very flattering, and it's been really exceptional. Well, this yeah. checklist that you put together is like uh, – it's all super matches. So all everything yeah. on that checklist would be a great show. You didn't put anything on the checklist I would think that would be like, I'm not, I'm not going to that. I'm not, I'm not oh, sure no. No, that. no, no, yeah. But uh, so do you want to be doing this? Because it seems like you're trying to hit everything that you wanted to hit in short order. I didn't uh, intend to, to uh, like breeze through the list mm-hmm. as quick. And I don't know if you know this. Um, did everybody see the list? Did you guys see the list? So I've, I made the list, but my handwriting is terrible. <laughs> so I made the list, and we took the picture, and I thought, oh, like this is – it looks like I look uneducated. <laughs> yeah. Like I look, I look uneducated, and like I think stuff was some stuff was actually misspelled. So. Um, and by the way, like you can show up to as many shows as you want wearing like a beautiful suit. If everybody remembers you as the guy with terrible handwriting, yeah, you're it's never you're gonna screwed. Like who are you fooling? So I, uh, I had Brandy redo the list. <laughs> so the the list, the actual list you, that you, you've seen is Brandy's handwriting. I did not. Uh, I didn't expect to go through it as quickly. As we're we're going through it, so I'm not gonna make a like second list. Right. The sequels, other than Empire Strikes Back, sequels like suck. So, well, okay, yeah, there we go. I mean, there there are exceptions, but a second like I have I have a mental second list that I because a ton of guys got pissed. Like, Did they? Of, yeah, like because uh, like, some guys should have been on there, like Kenny Omega. Should have been on the on the list. Ricochet probably. There's I could we could yammer on. Did all you leave guys? Did you leave those guys like Ricochet and Kenny Omega off because you forgot because you didn't want to get lofty? Because I left Kenny Omega off because I got bad information from a friend of Kenny Omega's in WWE who told me Kenny Omega was going to WWE, which the all wrestling is is rumors and speculation and it's high school it's high school yeah so there's just bad information whether it's uh, it probably will eventually happen but now that i thought about it i felt bad leaving him off the list and it is funny because like a guy like kenny omega obviously at some point he'll be in wwe and when yeah. he is that guy that gave you bad information is gonna cody i told now you. he's validated i told you now he's, he's validated yeah so uh but you, you figured, okay, if they're going to WWE, I, you want this list to not be just a dream list, to actually be something that you can accomplish. Yeah, and yeah. I want to – yeah, stuff people, people want to see, but also stuff people can see. It seemed like you had the list ready quick. Like, is this a list that was in your head while you were in WWE? Well, uh, when, you're, when you're sitting there for three to six months uh-huh. planning your escape, <laughs> like, um, you're coming up with everything you can think of. Like, well, how can – because social media is – the ticket now as far as people's continued ability to follow you. Yes. You don't need TV as much as we once did. Like, oh, out of sight, out of mind is not real anymore because they can follow on social. And right. they, there's all these different platforms. It's essentially a business. Um, so I was basically – I called it a rollout. And little known fact, a few other guys said that they were also going to leave. That they were frustrated, they were un- unhappy. So there was kind of like this rallying we're cry. We're right behind you, yeah. Cody. <laughs> and then like D Day comes and just just me, you look, just just me. And you I look thought, behind you. You guys, yeah. you guys coming? Or? And I didn't even like ask or whatever. But but I was just like, you know, we had kind of 
this discussion. Not, <laughs> yeah. not that it was needed, you know, because I, I did just – it was personally just time for me to go. It's time for them to let me go. Uh, but, man, it would have uh, been a different day. I'm assuming yeah. that you're not going to tell me who those names were. My God, no. <laughs> but no. No. watching or, or being aware – because I know you've said in other interviews that you don't haven't watched WWE really since you've left, but being kind of aware of what's happening since yeah. obviously you have friends. Kevin there. won the title, right? That's <laughs> what, I'm caught up on Kevin won the title. He did. Correct? He won the title, and then we all came to Kevin's defense because of the the, the dickhead from ESPN, right? That's, right. Okay. That happened. Yeah. That okay. happened. That happened. I got really fired up about it, and then found myself like. What are we doing? Like, what are <laughs> why, we, are we? Why, why are we? What, what is happening? Because Kevin is not doing anything. What is happening? It's but, easy to jump on that rage bandwagon. Oh, though. yeah. I'm rage-filled. You are. Rage-filled. Especially, especially when it's like traditional wrestling stuff. I'm, I'm rage-filled. I don't know <laughs> what, what, why, but good example. Uh, PWG, last week, uh, Chris Hero wrestles Jushin Thunder Liger. The referee is a young, new referee. Nice guy. But... Something that you'd never see in WWE that perhaps you'd see on an independent is after the match, instead of like, oh, thank you so much, and uh, how'd I do? This He comes up to Jushin Liger, and he's like, hey, can, can I get a picture? Totally. And uh, <laughs> ha- handed me his phone. <laughs> and I took it, but as I was taking it, I was just like filling with rage right. about like, how this would... Bill Watts would never, and I don't even know Bill Watts. Bill Watts would never let this happen. But you were raised with so much wrestling tradition that you're not one of these like '90s kids who watch. You're like you're a uh, an '80s territory mindset person. I'm an old soul. Yes, and I am uh, very much in the minority. So I keep a lot of my like insider terms. People get real mad when they're like, "Oh, Cody." You know, come on. That's like it's just my preference. Right. It's not. I don't. So you're saying you've got heat with all the guys who use insider terms. No, I have no. I have no. <laughs> you see what I, I, I no just did, heat. Though, right? Yeah, no, I have no heat because I'm clearly in the minority. But uh, um, yeah, I'm just. I'm just an old soul. I feel like I'm. I'm 20 years too late. Right. For when I was supposed to be around, but it's just me. The guys that were supposed to follow you out the door. Are you aware of what they're doing now, without saying who they are? Yeah. And are they? In better places than one, they were. One is happier. One is not. One is not happy at all. And that one is just a fun every day. A good text message back, and, <laughs> back and forth about like, just because I don't want you would never want to encourage somebody to like. I don't want to encourage anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Sure. I want like, but there's there's more than one like ball game in town. WWE right. is is wonderful. They they have WrestleMania, they they do all these like charitable things. They they they're, they're really just the biggest game in town. But if you look around like you'll out here tonight, like this is a this is, these aren't little rinky-dink shows. Mm-mm. These are these are big ass shows and uh everything feels real special. So, you know, I I think their concern in the bubble is that well, what about money? What about the like on man like sometimes you gotta take a chance you know and it's if it's a bit of a pay cut it's a bit of a pay cut but so far i I honestly really hasn't been like because we're working so frequently in so many different places and yeah no i think in the bubble you think wwe is the only thing and there are other guys that have relayed similar opinions that they've left wwe and kind of become worked regular on the indies yeah and if you can work regular and also get your merchandise game right and figure out the digital thing they're not taking – a lot of them are not taking pay cuts. The uh, merchandise element is uh, – is, I haven't got it right yet. You haven't figured it oh, out? Oh, no, no. What's I, wrong with it? I, uh, so I got like a box. I mean, in WWE, 
Yeah. Your merchandise game was as tight as anyone's game could be. You had gloves, you had masks, you had T-shirts, you had lunchbox, you had anything you could – action figures. I, I loved the gloves. Um, <laughs> you did. <laughs> because when I would haphazardly pack my bag, mm -hmm. I would um, forget the gloves a lot. So <laughs> I would just go up to the merch stand uh, and just get, like, two or four of the gloves for the weekend. And then we'd usually, like, throw those ones out to the crowd. But, right. like, yeah, no, I loved the gloves. What I've, what I've missed – appropriated is I got like one box for the first four weeks, like literally one box. Like this is perfect. This is, uh, you know, I don't want to overestimate my ability to sell these shirts. Sure. I went out for 10 minutes <laughs> at uh, Reseda and that's all people do in Reseda is buy shirts. At Pro, at Pro yeah. Pro wrestling. Yeah. That's all they do. And within 10 minutes, the box was it was gone. I mean, it and was, it really is. That's the culture of, of PWG because the yeah. guys, for those that haven't been, will literally sit on the ring apron oh. and sell their – which, by the way, for a traditional guy, yeah. you go to PWG and you see guys sitting on the ring yeah. to sell their T-shirts. Is there anything that, that strikes you as a traditionalist about that part being wrong? Oh, the funny part is the beer line. The beer line, because they do the pitchers there, wraps also around the ring. Yes. So you're like – Right there, and they may not be interested in talking to you or buying a shirt, and it's just like, <laughs> They're on the beer line. what's going on? <laughs> How are you? Um, but, but the real guys who have their merchandise game together, those are the guys selling to the guys on the beer line. Yeah, like, no. Like, just because they didn't mean they didn't come to buy your shirt doesn't hey, mean they're man, not yeah, buying yeah, a no, shirt. For yeah. sure. Um, I, it w I wanted to try it. I don't think I'll do the ring selling. I wanted to try it once, mm -hmm. be kind of have a sense of occasion and where I was at. I don't think it's for me. <laughs> um, um, but I did enjoy it while I was out there. Plus, it's a thousand degrees in that building, so you're yeah. just sweating on these shirts that you're giving people. And just yeah. Like, yeah. So, but so uh, that's a, to get back to your point you were making before. You're sending texts like uh, to this mystery superstar with like pictures of you wrestling like Kurt Angle and guys like that. Like, oh this yeah. Is, this is what's going on over here. Yeah. I, I, anything like uh, anything that can get under their skin a little bit, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested in doing. Plus, there's a lot more like freedom to do. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And like, they're, they're very. We're being so vague about who these individuals are, this clandestine group that did not leave I like it. Uh, with me. I feel like yeah. the vaguer we get, the more like it's like, I know he's talking about Cena. Like, it's like, like the bigger <laughs> stars. Like. It was him. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> when, when you get, but when you hear from the guy who's happy there, do you, is there ever a moment, as much fun as you're having right now, because everything is going even, I would assume, better than you expected. It is. Um, is there ever a moment where you go, oh, like maybe if I had waited a month, I would have been one of the happier guys? No, because um, that, the draft thing came. But let's be totally honest. Six months before the draft thing came, they told us the draft thing was going to happen. And we filmed these commercials with these flags. And it ended, the commercials ended up being sci-fi, SmackDown coming to sci-fi. Right. So everyone was very aware of the draft. Um, Split. No one was particularly aware of where they're going or that nature. But I did ask in my second to last week, I asked someone who I trust very much on the creative team and I'm still friends with the day. I said, is there a plan? Because we had a plan going into WrestleMania and that plan got uh, kibosh. So that was one of the like, <sighs> so um, anyways, I asked him and he said, no, there's currently no plan. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the draft and stuff, I don't feel like it would have changed. I don't think it would have changed for me because like, big believer in whatever you're given. Sure. If you're a magician, if you're stardust, if you're w whatever you're given, you have the chance to go out. That's your TV time. That's, you, that's, that's your moment. You go out, and you can, you can make Vince literally 
look up from his phone and go, oh, that worked. We, let's keep going with it. The issue with me was I felt like I was boxed into just doing Stardust. So it wasn't it didn't seem possible anymore. For the first time ever in my career, it felt like it was no longer possible to win, even in, to maximize the minutes and win segments just in a viewer perspective. So that was it was a part of the decision and made it a lot easier for me to go. Yeah, no, this isn't. Did you ever get working. an answer? Because it was obvious that, like, in the beginning, Stardust was a little more of a priority, and, and he became a character that was not a priority. Uh, was it ever made clear to you why they were making you stick with Stardust? Why we're not quitting on Stardust? Honestly, no. And it was like, if you have, like, your creative team, and then you have you have Vince, obviously, um, it kind of felt like it was like a nine to ten vote that oh obviously Stardust is we're 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 done with this like this has outlived the lifespan that was supposed to last three months right two years in we're obviously done with this but um, he just didn't see it that way and that was his preference and uh, I think he liked Stardust a lot mm-hmm. I think he enjoyed it but I don't know I don't know how he enjoyed it I think he might have enjoyed <laughs> like oh maybe it's like funny to him or like right. I think he enjoyed it and um. The pageantry behind, like, Stardust with, like, some of this cool stuff they let me do. Like, I'd run out and I'd jump on the barricade and I had that jib cam shot that was all mine. And um, the, 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 you know, the wardrobe elements of Stardust were so much fun. And, and just the music had this – it was clearly ripped from a, a very famous rap song. I'm trying to think which it is. If you listen to it, you can hear – I'll listen for it Yeah, now. it's clearly ripped off uh, terribly. But um, the pageantry side of Stardust was – was a lot of a lot of fun, uh, and I think maybe that's what he saw. Like, just I don't think he looked at it from my perspective in the slightest, and I think that's hard for anyone to just jump into your head and know that, oh, this is you know, I, I did not want to do what Dustin does. Right. That that to me is a living hell. Um, he, that's what he does. It is. I hadn't done that. So. And you know, it's really yeah. interesting because. Uh, in other interviews that you've done, even when you were with the company, <gasps> whoa, whoa, let's well, who is this. it? <laughs> let's knock them to vibrate. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but even you, you've talked a lot about not wanting to do things that your dad did. Yes, not wanting to do the elbow, not wanting to do polka dots, not mm-hmm. wanting to even like you know nothing. Like yeah. to be your own guy, acknowledge the family history, and then create this new thing. And then you get stuff doing what your brother did. Yeah. Which is kind of, which is ironic. So I didn't I didn't not want to do Dusty and not want to do Gold Dust because I don't think they're great and don't it, it's not because I don't love them. It was because I do love them and I do think they are great. So if you if you go out and you do someone's finishing maneuver that you're related to and the crowd cheers, I feel like they're not cheering for you. They're cheering for the nostalgia. They're cheering for whomever was the one who really made us look at that maneuver. And I always, that was just my approach to it. And that's a stubborn-ass approach. But it's more gratifying to say, like, that's why, I, like, early stages, like, dyed my hair black. And and I was, a, you know, an antagonist. I was a villain in WWE. And that was great because Dusty was a, a lifelong hero. And, and Goldust was you know, this bizarre, larger-than-life character. So I wanted to be able, at the end of the day, we have talked about this, where if you put us all boom-boom on paper, everybody right. looks different. And right. it's like, oh, cool. 
look at the family makeup. Like, look at the rotundas. Like, right. Look at like that's that's the way to do it. Like, right. Bray isn't out there talk, telling people to pay their taxes. Right. Um, <laughs> I would love it if he took up like <laughs> if he did, but like one night I would love it. Like, and by the way, I've watched him do interviews with people who yeah. think they're cute and be like, hey, you know, did your dad uh, did your dad do your taxes? And the way he can make somebody feel oh. uncomfortable oh, for yeah. asking that stupid question. Oh, I'm it's sure. Just, it's blissful. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but that's – he's doing it correctly. Um, and that's – and that's uh, look at Husky Harris. Like that – it takes a few sure. few runs at it. And a part of being a second or third generation is falling on your ass and failing on occasion. Like, the, hey, it, this didn't work. Right. I, f- I feel like the first year of my career wasn't working. Like mm-hmm. plucky underdog, like – What's exciting about that? Not doing anything cool in the ring and then not like learning from Bob is one thing and great. And Bob gave that like rub to me. Um, but yeah, I know that that's that's the correct way to do it. So when they ask me and it's weird that Vince would ask me because he is also a second, third generation, you know, like he yeah. is also a multi-generational. It was a bizarre ask. But when I first got the concept art, because creative ser- whenever creative services gets on something with WWE, they're, they're, they intend to invest in it. So that makes you feel good. Um, so Creative Services is a department that's responsible for some of the greatest characters in WWE. They're artists and, um, and seamstresses and all this, and they make all this concept art. The first stuff I saw for Stardust was the coolest stuff ever, and it was right along the lines of the comic book villain. It was silver hair. Uh, there was a star on my eye. There was, like, one contact. It looked a lot like Cable in the X-Men. Sure, sure. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Right. I'm going to be okay here. Because that's like, I get to do this, but it's still kind of badass. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I was like, oh, I can wear a bodysuit, and like, maybe I can like stop working out for a few weeks. Like, um, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be okay. Um, and then like every week, he was like, well, this is what he picked, and this is what he picked. And it was like becoming more and more a carbon copy of Gold Dust. And um, there's pictures of it online. I don't think any of the, the boys posted them. At the last minute, I was supposed to have a mask. And the mask look like a black condom on top of my head (laughs) and it was just terrifying and they made me go up to the production meeting room and stand there in this get up and I told like I lifted it up I said I cannot do this like this I cannot do and then it became well why don't you shave your head like uh, like Dustin and I was like so I'm just gonna be like mini Mini Dustin, right. you know, because Dustin's like 11 feet tall for whatever reason. Um, so I'm going to be like Mini Dustin. And then, yeah, even I even had a fight at the very last minute. Well, I'd like to do silver and black. It's like, no, first gold and black. And I just – it just <laughs> got – yeah, so all this fun – I'm going to tweet some of it out because it's and it, w- it will harm no one. And so, some of this concept art was so cool, and then it went away. And uh, I tried slowly, slowly to get to there. I did not yeah. – like Stardust did as you – broke away from Goldust, did start to become a superhero villain. And that yep. was, I felt like, more when you were doing the stuff with the Ascension and when you were doing, like, the black room promo things that you were doing. The, the cosmic wasteland. Yeah, yeah. That Would have been a real success had Cesaro not got hurt. So we blame the whole thing on Cesaro. You think so? Uh, gosh, no, no. <laughs> I love Cesaro dearly. We don't blame him. But for weeks we're sitting in the crowd and they keep giving me these props. Like a monocle, an opera right. glass. Yeah. I was like, this is the most fun ever. Yeah. And, like, you can be out here with the people. And then, like, one of these days he's going to jump the, you know, barricade on his runaround and just uppercut me into, like, high heaven and we'll be off and running. And uh, son of a gun got hurt. And 
the cosmic wasteland just just went into that the wasteland, it. just yeah. just fizzled. Black hole sucked it up. Yeah, it sucked us all up. Couldn't you, handle it. It, it. It was surprising to me when I started hearing about the real life story of Stardust because I don't know how many of you the guys. Real life story. That's right. Stardust. Stardust behind the dust. I don't know uh, how many of you guys have seen the interviews that uh, Stardust and I have done, but when Stardust, Stardust, regardless of whether you were happy in the moment or not, when you talk about a level of commitment, like. These press junkets, because you guys see it on YouTube and stuff, but these these like oh, like yeah. uh, press days before WrestleMania, before a SummerSlam, it's at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like it's first thing in the morning. It's it's like everybody's exhausted. It's called you Radio know. Row. It's Radio. And nobody Row. wants to do Radio Row. It's interview yeah. after interview. Most of the interviews are these like schlocky DJs that don't even really know a lot about wrestling. Like and and and, and Stardust is showing up, but like. Cody, you showed up, ready to go, full face paint, yeah, full gear. Like you wake up an hour early. To I had make my sure. knee pads on for one for whatever reason. <laughs> well, it's part of the it's part of the yeah. outfit, right? And I was told by a person that nobody asked you to do that. And by the way, I, no. I and I remember because I interviewed you and Dustin on the same day separately. And like he wasn't decked out, not even a little. No, like like, and th- that's why I say Dustin because I wasn't talking to Goldust. Yeah. And I was like, I mentioned that you had dressed up, and he was like, Yeah, I don't know, that's his thing. I don't know, I don't know why he's doing that. Really, why did you? Is it just is that how you feel like you have to perform? Like you, ha- whether you're you're going to make the best of it, you have to commit. Why did you do that on press days? Commitment to Stardust made me feel better. It did because. I didn't like talking to people as Cody Rhodes because I thought Cody Rhodes was cooler than Stardust. So I didn't like talking to people as myself um, about Stardust and about the portrayal of it. I figured, you know what? I'm just, we're bringing them. Right. We're just going to go. It's going to be a Stardust morning. Um, I, I, I don't know. There was a, when you, when you wear a mask in wrestling, whether it's a real mask or whether it's paint, um, there's a there's a protective barrier where you can do more and you can get away with more and say more and try more stuff out. And uh, that was my chance to do that. I actually am one of the few who looked forward to those. Because um, if you're not getting like a lot of television time where you're on the mic every week and you're doing uh, you know, like the, opening, uh, the opening of Raw and stuff like that, you, you need your reps. You need to learn – who you are, what you're right. saying, what catches on, what doesn't. So I always and it's also like, like it's that. not like it's not hitting an audience. Like sometimes I'll talk to guys that obviously don't want to be doing an interview, and I'm like, guys, if we do this right, this is going to do 100, 200,000 views on YouTube. These are eyes on you that are going to buy shirts and tickets. Did you ever interviews. Did you ever interview Wade Barrett? Uh, You've interviewed him. Yes, the- yes. I, I interviewed him only like a, not a, not a long sit down, but yeah. I'll never forget. He um, Wade hated Radio Row, <laughs> just like feverishly hated it uh-huh. and he has that deep deep strong uh, british accent i suppose and uh we'd get on the shuttle and just the things he would say and just <laughs> uh, what he's gonna do and who he's gonna call and i'm never doing this again i'll never forget the very last one that i did the very last radio row was in uh, san jose and it's 5 a.m and we're waiting for the shuttle to pull around to take us all over to where access is and he comes down and he's smiling and he's got this cold brew coffee with him. And I'm thinking, what, uh, what's the situation here? Yeah. Like, what is it? Apparently, and the, yeah, he, he may not like me telling the story or not, he was at the time dating one of the girls 
who was at Radio Row, <laughs> who, uh, who I think believe uh, worked for Sky Sports. And I remember just like it was the complete turnaround on the way that I, and on that, that's my last true memory of Radio Row is like sitting in full paint in the bodysuit next to him, just smiling out the window, <laughs> just slapping everybody on the shoulder. And I was like, what happened to you? Like, yeah. what, what is this? What is this? place done so were you excited going into that or were you like miserable going into radio row and then you would turn it on and once you got there it was okay so i'm a, a frequent as you can see frequent and terrible abuser of all things caffeine mm-hmm. all things related to caffeine so S- stardust would be at its utmost perfection when i had consumed copious amounts of yeah. caffeine I kind of, I kind of, as somebody who sat through that, I kind of. And of as it, that. as it fa- that's why they usually when I'd get there, Sam would be set up, and they would say, "We're gonna go do Sam first. We want to give Sam our best." Because <laughs> at the time you got to like local affiliate six, and they're like super excited, and you're just, uh, yeah, WrestleMania is coming. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I would run out of gas pretty quickly. So, we'll be, and and by the way, it'd be two people every time that I would notice that we're staying from the beginning all the way till the end, because a lot of people would tap out, hit I the majors, and go. You, in character, and Miz. Miz. Miz is the other guy that, like, would do every single yeah. interview there. And, I mean, like, I'd get there at, like, 5.30. He's already there. He doesn't and, like, run I'm out of energy. And, like, I'm packing up at 11.30 in the morning, and he's finishing up his last interviews. There's nobody like Miz in all of wrestling. There is nobody. I hate saying nice things about <laughs> Miz because he's – there's nobody like him. His commitment to trying to be a better wrestler, mm-hmm. which he still is actively doing, his commitment to try and be the loudest guy in the room, but one who draws your attention in a positive way, his run his run to the WWE Championship when he was, you know, out there doing the interview about getting kicked out of the locker room and stuff, like he took his real life story and he is ah, like it does pain me, but like he's on the level of Cena as far as work ethic. In wow. terms of work ethic, there John Cena is clearly the hardest working guy in WWE. But then there's some guys that you don't know who are right on his level who draw and help pull the wagon with him. And Miz is certainly one of them. You may not think it when you look at the card sometimes, and well, all these cool guys coming from NXT and all the buzz and equity and guys who are coming from the independents. But believe me, Miz is uh, he's next level special. Yeah, next yeah. level special. Yeah. Let's go back to uh, to Dustin. So it's in ninety. 90- I hate Dustin. <laughs> I, lo- I love him, but gosh. And but like, what was your relationship like with him when you were young? Did you have a relationship with him when you were young? So yes, yes and no. Um, Dustin and I, uh, we have different mothers, and we're sixteen years apart. And uh, he got on the road really early in his, uh, you know, youth. Um, we had different experiences with my dad, by for sure. But he, um, I, when he was. Like early WCW, right after he'd done the thing in the WWF with my dad, I thought he was the coolest guy ever. We at the Omni, he'd come out the natural Dustin Rhodes, and all that he'd get what uh, I guess people call it a chick pop when like all the women scream chick pop. <laughs> is that a chick pop? Yeah, a chick pop. I don't know, but they, I love that like the man who is against. Yeah, the that's industry, like the best way. Like, to you're just giving more yeah, terms yeah. to all of us. Chick pop. <laughs> you get the chick pop, and like I thought, man, he's the coolest guy ever. Like. And he was really talented, like super good in the ring. And Dustin and I are both somewhat self-trained because everyone assumes, oh, they're good. They know yeah. how to do it. We don't know how to do anything. Like, we don't know how to put it like a headlock on. Like, <laughs> we don't know how to do anything. And you learn as you go. And he learned as he go, uh, went in such a great fashion. I thought he was the coolest guy ever. 
So it's pretty well documented after that. Him and my dad had this big falling out, which rightfully so they needed to settle their issues because my dad was on the road for Dustin's life, whereas with me, my dad was with me for everything. So Dustin had very obvious grievances, and they, um, they had their falling out. So I missed it all. I missed gold dust. Um, it was seven true years of them not speaking to each other at all. Wow. And that's like the informative years of your life, like my adolescence, being a teenager. And he came back around uh, my senior, junior, senior year in high school. And uh, that's when everything got reformed. And it was really wonderful and beautiful. And so glad that he got to reconnect with my dad because they became like great friends. But the problem in that area was I didn't get to know him Actually well. Growing up. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get to know him. I feel like I didn't really get to know my brother until we actually tagged together. Mm-hmm. And people think, oh, what was it like growing up together? Well, we didn't grow up together. What was it like at the dinner table, buddy? Well, we never Two separate dinner never ate dinner together. Huh? <laughs> but then we tagged together, and that was a really unique experience in terms of as when we were Cody and Goldust and then when we were, you know, Gold and Stardust, however they, whatever they decided to call us. Um, but yeah, that was when we got to know each other the most, and I'm very thankful to WWE um, for giving us the chance to get to know each other. But by yeah. then, there was no, there was no resentment about you being the one who got attention from your dad. That was our squashed. I don't know. I, uh, I think, I think it was squashed. My dad and I were were best friends, and I think him and Dustin were best friends too. I don't think there was ever on my end like a competitive element of like. Who's who's better? Right. You know, you want to like be like, oh, I want to like you want to be a better wrestler, but in like a positive way. But as far as like our relationship with um, Dad, Dustin had a different side. They'd go hunting, and I'm a terrible hunter. Right. They brought me once, and a deer was from me to you, and I missed. <laughs> I missed. And then I dropped the gun, which is like the worst thing you can, and like you're gonna blow someone's head off. Like drop. And then like I s- just sadly climbed down from the tree stand and. Oh. Saw them talking up in it, and I was like, "Yeah, they're not inviting me back. I'm not. Got, com- I'm not. I'm not coming back." You got one kid who's like a, a redneck, like hunter, yeah, guy. Country and you got boys. There's like a video game comic book nerd. Yeah, very much. We're just opposite ends of a spectrum. Um, so you know, they, they had they had their things together, and me and uh, me and Dad had our things uh, together. And me and Dad, I'm lucky, and you know, like, I'll, admittedly, like I'm very lucky and that my dad was on the road. Like, I mean, not on the road anymore. He was retired, and he got to be with me every day. And he missed one wrestling match in terms of amateur wrestling I ever had. So the night he turned to the NWO. Oh, he's no. He's brokenhearted. <laughs> yeah. He's brokenhearted. Not I want, you, Dad. I wanted to go save Larry Zabisco. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a uh, – yeah, so we have very different childhoods. And uh, What did your yeah. family think – Obviously, it sounds like the relationship was over at this point, but just in terms of from afar, when Goldust debuts on TV, because ninety five, ninety six, Goldust is like the height of yeah, homo homophobic, pushing buttons, razor tattoo on yeah. the chest, like that's that was Goldust. Yeah, and that's a and and by the way, in ninety five, ninety six, you can watch that on YouTube. Yeah, but I can't overstate what a culture shock that was in pro wrestling yeah. in 1995 so i think most people especially because my dad's you know he's a texan he's you know he's was born in the like 40s you know like i think most people assume that my dad would be uncomfortable with it my dad was 
because we'd watch the pay-per-views together. And I and now I think back, I'm like, God, that must have been hard for him. Like, we're sitting here watching these pay-per-views, and you don't speak to each other. Yeah. You know, and, and we're, we're being quiet, you know. Like, the only time we're talking is during the other matches, and we're being quiet and watching. And I knew he was super proud of uh, of Dustin because I, WrestleMania 12, uh, they do the OJ chase scene. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, then he rips, you know, dust, uh, gold dust suit off, and Dustin has, like, the <laughs> oversized, uh, the plus-size lingerie on. <laughs> but the show is literally – that OJ chase scene, mm-hmm. the Hollywood backlot brawl, and then the Iron Man match. There's other matches, and they're great matches, but the way like that was like the thread throughout the show. So that's WrestleMania. It's yeah. the biggest event in wrestling. So for him to be so featured, I could tell my dad was just over the moon with what he had done. I think my mom wasn't sure, like, should she be like, what is this, or <laughs> or like crazy about it. But I know he was really over the moon with uh with what Dustin did. Funny funny story. Um. You know the comedy club in LA that like all the wrestlers go to. Uh, I'm, I'm the improv the comedy. It's store. like the UCBB. Sure. UC, did I get it right? U- it, okay, UCBB, something like that. Well, there's UCB and then there's there's UCB. A, yeah, yeah, sure, UCB. So, and just sidebar, uh, another one of my purest things. Not every pro wrestler should do stand up comedy. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm not understanding uh, that why. That may be coming from a comedy purist. Uh, everybody. Point of view. Um, <laughs> He um so so UCB has this show that Dolph invites me to and I go begrudgingly because D- Dolph is my friend so I want to support Dolph but I also I don't want to fake laugh if the jokes aren't good what do I do like like what do I do you know if I'm I'm gonna laugh because we're friends but good thing was it wasn't a stand up set it was a improv about wrestling and it was the night before SummerSlam it was an amazing show but a character came out. And it was essentially Goldust in 1995, but it's 2016. So he came out. He came out and he goes, "I'm Goldust, and you know what? Being gay is gonna get me heat." And then, <laughs> and then this guy's plant stands up in the back row. He goes, "No, man, it's cool. It's 2016." <laughs> and then he he goes, "Oh yeah." Well, what if I what if I kiss this guy? I bet you're gonna hate it, and it's gonna get me heat. So then these other two plants stand up. They go, "No, man, this is this is this is, this is L.A." And they kiss each other. He goes, "Oh, look at that! What about the heat there?" And you can tell he's like the set was like he's getting more and more frustrated that Goldust in 2016 is only making people really like happy. By the end of it, they literally was like twenty people standing up in the audience, just like one person like threw a big like rainbow like streamer, <laughs> and he's just like, and he just like crept to the back, like, oh no, you guys hate it, I can tell, <laughs> you guys hate it, and it was honestly one of like the most funny things I'd seen, it, and it, it makes me think about nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six, coming into school and people just like, I, I can't repeat, yeah. what poor me had to hear about you know like and then like i don't have a defense because i'm not hanging out with dustin at the time like well he's married okay he's, you know like yeah like so when uh, marlena came around it was super helpful because i was like well yeah. but they're there together you know like, yeah it was a very like i mean it really is cover when you watch back on the network like i was watching some 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 of the episodes of raw leading up to that royal rumble match with razor and like razor is like the biggest good guy because he's mad because Goldust has a crush on him. Yeah. And it's like it really 
it would be completely the opposite now. It wouldn't even fly now, but it would be it would be totally the opposite. Yeah, no, they'd the people would want it. Yeah. They'd want it, like, you know. Why are you not Come including on, man. this guy? Yeah. <laughs> why are you being mean? They'd want it, yeah, no. Um how much of, of your dad passing do you think motivated you leaving the company? Like like not, like because you say you were thinking about it for a long time, but making that kind of ballsy move to be like, no, because everybody thinks about leaving the, the, com- the company they're working yeah, for. Yeah, of course. No matter what company you're at. They tell you they're going to leave, and then the day comes, and you're just the only one. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. Go. But to, yeah. to, be, to finally make that move, do you think that, that, that your dad passing made you look at things a different way and allowed you to, to, to make that kind of super bold move? So I was really big on not listening to my dad. Um, when it came to business, because my dad thought I was like the greatest thing ever. And I'm not the greatest. Like he, he had this like super pride in me that was like, just probably unwarranted. He just thought I was really good. And he, he would always encourage me to stand up for myself. And I, I told this to, um, I think I told this to Aubrey Sitterson, um, that after WrestleMania in Miami with big show, he told me you should, you should ask for time off or your release because you can leverage it. You know, like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to upset Cody. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It, and that type of business move didn't at the time. I didn't want to take his advice. Uh, actually, uh, Hunter was always big on like, you know, your dad's too close to this. Don't, don't, don't just let him be your sounding board. And that is actually good advice because I would talk to. He's going to be here tonight. I talked to guys like Ric Flair. I talked to. Um, you know, the, the agents, the producers, Road Dog, Arn Anderson, uh, guys like that, and get their, their feedback um, because they're business. They're looking at it from a business. He was looking at it from a father's standpoint. Fast forward to now, he was right. Like, and it sucks because, like, I wish I had taken the advice then, but he was right about, maybe not about leveraging, but he was right about being happy. He's like, it, it, it's one of those things where you complain, you complain, you complain, and then finally you say, like, hey, if, you, if you're not happy, do something about it. And I wasn't happy. So he was, he was right, and the hardest part of the year was essentially having multiple funerals because we have a memorial for my dad uh, that his entire, the entire NXT and Performance Center comes to, and uh, the elite industry, you know, like – is out sitting in front of me as I'm, I'm giving this eulogy about my dad. And that, that's something that you have to do when someone passes away. You have to make the best to honor them and not, not just be sad on that day. But then, oh, we're going to do this tag team tournament, and uh, we'd like you to come speak at the end. And I'm like, well, it's essentially another, another eulogy. And then, you know, like uh, we're making the statue of him, and all these wonderful things. But the whole time I was doing it, I thought – God, like, why, why, why didn't I just take this year off? You know what I'm saying? Why didn't I just – because it wouldn't have been fair to come back and be Cody Rhodes because that's the cheapest cop-out, just, oh, I'm going to do it for Dusty. That's just horseshit. Like, that would have been – my dad would have hated that. So I didn't want to do that because I would have hated it too. But then I also didn't want to be Stardust. But I had to like kind of defend my position on Stardust, and I got lucky because I got roped into the thing with with Stephen Amell. But that that was like looking at it now. In short, um, almost everything my dad told me that I never listened to uh, was right, and uh, he was right about needing to leave WWE because uh, it was kind of 
kind of breaking my spirit. You don't ever want the place you work to break your spirit. You right, know? right, right. Yeah. Is it tough at all for you? How do you react to people? Because it seemed like, especially, I mean, it was happening before his passing, to be fair, but especially since his passing, it seemed like anyone that ever had an interaction with Dusty had a story about yeah. how he was the most influential yeah. person that's ever. Is that tough for you to see, being that you're the guy who grew up with him, or is it just like, you know what, Dad did touch a lot of people? Yeah, it's um, it's tough, but it's also super flattering. Like yeah. to, you don't want to hear it because you're not ready, but also you don't want to you don't want to reject their their time to tell you what he did. Um, I was at a show in Dallas on Thursday, and a fan brought me a pair of boots, and they said these are your dad's, and I thought no, this couldn't be my dad's, and then I look at him and I go, oh. These are his. Like I can wow. tell. I can tell by the way the toe is taped. And it's like I didn't want to take them. Like th- these are yours, you know. Like um, this, this is your connection to him. So I really do enjoy hearing people's connection. Because um, I don't know if you know this, my dad was a bit of a hyperbole artist. <laughs> um, so growing up, and I, I I said this about him once. Growing up, um, has everybody seen the movie Big Fish? Big Fish. Yeah. Have you seen it? Okay, essentially, the story of this father, these stories sound like they're the most unbelievable thing you have ever heard. And as a child, you're like, ah, no, that's not, that couldn't really happen. One of them, for example, is he told me that in the Congo, or maybe Nigeria, um, that him, uh, it might have been him and Flair, or him and Blackjack Mulligan, they're having this match, and that the military is storming over the field to the, there there's the country is in the middle of a coup and they're storming over the field in the middle of their match and they're seeing it go on and there's tear gas being thrown and it just sounds like the just the, come on like right. there's not a war happening while you and blackjack mulligan are wrestling in the like, ring like while the match yeah. is happening and he said but then they the tear gas stopped and you saw the soldiers just lined up in the backside because it was just like a big soccer field that they were on you saw them and they're just watching the show i thought okay like nah that's not that's not a real thing. Um, so fast forward, we're at a, uh, a motivational speech my dad gave in Vegas. And at the end of the speech, they opened up to a Q&A. This guy stands up in the back. This is the deepest, like, African, like, dialect and accent that I've ever heard. And he just starts crying. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, what is, what's happening? He goes, I was there. <laughs> and you saved, you saved me. And you saved my family. And I think you and Blackjack saved the country. What? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm, I'm taking in every feature of this man because I'm like I need to ask him directly after this event. Wh- who are you? <laughs> and and um, and what what? How is this a real thing? And that was one of the things I. That's why I like hearing people's stories because I noticed so many of the stories are true. Right. Do you like, for example, do you know what a flying colonel is? I don't know what a flying colonel is. So, I think I'm all big shot. I'm a million miler on Delta, and at my age, I thought that's a pretty, it's a pretty good deal. If you ever like the movie Up in the Air, that's wrestling essentially. Let's compare our rewards programs and where we're at. And uh, by the way, I love your education for film. There are so many wrestlers that I talk to that have just let movies pass them by. Oh, no. I just haven't seen any oh, of them. Oh, no. Up in the air, is, <laughs> yeah. it's worth it. Please see it. Um, <laughs> but 
my dad uh, is flying to Sacramento with WWE to do a show that I begged him to do with me and Rey Mysterio. I begged him to do it. And uh, he says uh, I upgraded him to first class because they weren't flying him first class, which was a super gripe I had. Um, I upgraded him to first class with my miles. And he goes, oh, you didn't need to do that. I'm a flying colonel. <laughs> and uh, I was like, whatever. And me and me and my. So, so uh, do you have that relationship? When he goes, I'm a flying colonel. You're like, okay, dad. Whatever. Yeah, no, I didn't. Like, I didn't believe it because yeah. me and my, my CPA are we're all sitting, all three of us sitting together, and he's telling me, I'm I'm diamond, you're diamond. Oh, that sucks, Dusty, that you lost all your status. You know, what do you, you know? You don't have the status because you're not flying so much because you do lose your status. And I'm thinking, flying colonel, because I know, I know, I follow this this Delta map to a T. It's it's silver. Gold, platinum, diamond. That's it. You can be a million miler, but those are the statuses. There's nothing else. That's it. And it, you, here's what you're afforded with each one because that's a big part of being on the road. And uh, he goes, oh, I'm a flying colonel. Me and my CPA, we literally laugh at him. We laugh in his face. Um, fast forward to this flight. We're getting on Sacramento. I've upgraded him to first class, which we go to board. Scans his boarding pass in front of me. And the lady's taking his boarding pass. She goes, oh, I got to take care of you. And my dad goes, that's right. And I'm thinking, what's the situation here? <laughs> and um, and, uh, and uh, she's, she's like, there's only 13 of you left, you know. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what are we talking about? So we get on the, we get on the plane, and uh, I said, uh, was that like a red coat thing? Because back in the day, the Delta red coats, they used to know a lot of the wrestlers really well. He goes, no, no, no. Slides his board and pass to me. Right where it's supposed to say, Mileage Elite Plus. It says his number, and it says Flying Colonel. <laughs> and there were only 13 living at the time. Uh, it was the original rewards program for Delta. It, it does not exist. Uh, they just still print it on the boarding pass, and I, I, I kept the boarding pass. Cause I, That's I, amazing. It was, yeah, no, that, that tends to be everything as I meet fans and meet people who knew him. I. I'm what, blown away. Too many like, of the stories were true. It's like you're living this life being like, I know none of the stories he's telling are true. And then you find out that there are stories. Not only were those all true, you haven't heard half of them. No, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, man. So there are a lot of – your schedule in terms of the independence, yeah. now that this is where you are, is like there's not a ton in advance. Like it doesn't look like you're going to be doing this – forever based on your schedule it doesn't even i don't even know if you'll be doing it long enough to have one of those bum shows that Cole cabana was telling you about but i, I want one you do i want one well here's what you know what you got to do you got to get booked on a show that you're not advertised at. that would be great too that you yeah. got to just be like a mystery opponent or somebody and fight like a, i like want a really bad local. one or do yeah that's what you have to do um what are your plans because you know, there's lots of theories out there. People are throwing New Japan out there. Mm -hmm. I've read uh, TNA on the internet. And, Cody, I don't know if you know this, but the internet tends to be accurate. It's always right. Yeah, yeah. So, or, you know, a lot of people theorize that you could, maybe you're going to pop up in the Royal Rumble. Oh. After this Oof. run. You don't think so? So, of all rumors, the Royal Rumble one is, is probably pretty far off. Things, okay. Things, right. things are a little rocky <laughs> with, the, with the current WWE uh, yeah, January's a little too close. Relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you never know. Um, but is TNA something you're looking at? Best way to put it, because uh, as you may know, if you read wrestling dirt sheets or 
whatever we call them now. The, the Bible? The, yeah, if you, read, <laughs> if, if you read those, things are reported as if they're fact. But right. the, I don't want to disrespect or insult anyone's intelligence. If I put, the, put their name on the list, I'm going to make efforts to get. I see. To get. So, like, take a look at the list. Like, on the very top of the list is Adam Cole. So Adam Cole is in Ring of Honor. Yeah. And then there's Moose on the list. And Moose is in TNA. So the list is very the, – the list is the Bible for me because nothing's worse than telling fans I'm going to do something and then not doing it. So, I mean, he's sitting in the back. Pat Buck is on the list. Yeah, well, I definitely want to get Pat Buck up here to talk yeah, about Pat it. Buck is on the list, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm here because Pat Buck is on the list. Yeah. Um, so the list is, is real to me, and uh, I'd like to make it to as many of these places as I can. The New Japan thing um, – is probably, and this is just me talking, it's probably the hardest thing to lock down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to do everything I can because I think, I think Shibata is just, you guys know Shibata? Like, <laughs> just, like you're dropping yeah. like movie references. Well, it's, like, it's also, I don't know anything about this big fish thing you're it's talking a about. Terrib- Shibata? Yeah. It's a terrible, like. <laughs> we know Shibata. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible, like, if you see him, he's just a, like, a, he's a man-eater. He's just a killer. Yeah. Like, so it's a, it's a bad call for me, but still it's, it's, it's who I want. It's it's who I want to be in there with. So yeah. uh, uh, I'm doing everything I can to make uh, make every name on the list happen. If that means making my way around, I already am signed to do final battle for Ring of Honor uh, in December. Uh, don't have my opponent yet. Saw who the opponents might be, and that's going to be uh, incredibly exciting. Um, but the Ring of Honor relationship, I'm I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Mandy from Ring of Honor mm-hmm. uh, told me the other day at a show at Northeast Wrestling. She said, "Welcome to ROH," and uh, I think I actually teared up because. I never thought I would be going to – I never thought I'd leave WWE. So I rode with Daniel Bryan and Claudio and Kevin Owens and all these guys who have this ring of honor equity yeah. to be able to say, like, yeah, me too. Like, that yeah. that uh, that feels good. Yeah. 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 Um, before I bring Pat up here, because I want to talk to him about finding out his name was on the list and talk to you guys about your relationship a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what was – the exit from WWE like was it this dramatic moment of you're giving this to me I'm not taking it I'm out of here is it look guys you know I've been fed up I'm leaving like what was the exit moment it was rather dramatic um, because nobody quits right they they fire you nobody nobody gets to quit WWE Um, and I wasn't going to have that they were going to keep me there whether it be out of respect for what I've done already or whether it just be out of respect for my dad. I was going to work there forever. And I am not one who just, I just, the paycheck just is not worth, it's not worth your happiness. It's not. It's, you said on Aubrey Sanderson's podcast that you left seven figures. Did you leave seven figures on the table? That is a very, on Aubrey's podcast, I was drinking. <laughs> um, I openly said in the beginning. Um, <laughs> I mean that's that's fair because that's about yeah wow. I mean without like oh I'm so great yeah um, but yeah no you that, could clear that in that was what it was go- that was what it was going to be with WWE but remember all those years I had with them are also they help build up sure the opportunity and the resources to say you know what guys I don't need it currently I don't need it currently uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do this stuff uh, it was dramatic because everyone wanted to talk me down. And you get to a point, like I said, three to six months. When you say everybody wanted to talk you down, are you talking the wrestlers or are you talking the managers? The wrestlers, uh, the management, the, your closest uh, mentors, um, your friends. Uh, they want to talk you down. And I just 
I couldn't be talked down. Three to six months of legit planning the big, the great escape, and uh, I couldn't be talked down. The main thing I, I wanted to do to protect myself was I released my statement. And uh, I know some people don't like people who overshare, but it was important for fans of wrestling in general to know what's happening here. Um, because I was not going – you guys don't get to fire me. You guys don't get to fire me. I gave you everything. I get to be the one to sit. I get to fire you. Um, and, you know, that didn't sit well with everybody. I did get a lot of wonderful and positive uh, reinforcing text about good luck and here's what you should look out for. And, um, you know, but that that was kind of the dramatic – I think, I you know, I included in the statement that I had the week before I'd been in Greensboro, North Carolina – dressing in the room that Dusty and Ric Flair dressed in for Starcade 1983. Right and I looked in my bag, and there's this uh, this damn trash bag that I have to put on. With stars on it. With stars on it. It was very nice, actually. <laughs> but I, like, I was so begrudging in putting it on. And I actually told Kofi a week before. I had this big argument with one of my bosses. We won't say which one. Where I said, uh, I'm not putting on that effing suit one more time. Wow. I thought, I thought that'll, that'll get him. That'll work. <laughs> 20 minutes later, I'm putting the suit on. <laughs> and uh, I'm painting my face so sad in the mirror. And Kofi Kingston, I just see, like, <laughs> pop around the corner and take a picture of me. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was dramatic, but uh, it was the right time. And, uh, they, again, uh, hats off to WWE because they could have not let it happen. Yeah. Uh, they could have said, no, no, you're going to sit at home for six months. And, no, this, they, uh, they made it happen uh, with me. So good for them in that regards. I guess. Yeah. Is it, final battle is going to be on pay-per-view, right? The ring yeah. Show. yeah. Are you going to be able to be Cody Rhodes? <laughs> oh, man. No. Um, no, I cannot be uh, Cody Rhodes on Evolve or Ring of Honor or wherever I go that is uh, televised. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ongoing, so that could change. I hope it changes. But today. Uh, but as of today... Uh, no, and, uh, I wish that was different, and it should be different, uh, but I don't, I don't want to, like, especially with social media, you can, like, really get your message out there and let people know what's going on. I've kept this one kind of close because the last thing I want to do is bring up my dad's name in a, like, negative fashion. Sure. Um, but Cody is just, is just Cody for a little bit of time. I'm not going to come up. Oh, no last name? I'm not going to come up with a silly silly ass name or change it you know that's i've, I've changed my name enough um, you know you have a a real last name <laughs> I, I i but i never met virgil ronald senior um the, the, the plumber i never met him um i'm sure he was cool yeah but dusty was my dad dusty Rhodes. so that's really interesting i think uh i think that will hopefully progress but no so i am not allowed to cody Rhodes when you're a kid yeah no i actually used it uh Part of the ongoing discussion is I used it prior to WWE in my state finals because I thought <laughs> I'll go by I'll go by Dad's name uh, in my wrestling state finals and uh, it was on TV so it was the first time I'd used it um, so there there are possibilities you never know we could we could uh, we could end up uh, in a resolution ongoing ongoing discussion I see Cody uh, I'm gonna let you get to your meeting yeah man because you got money to make. And Do I? What it's, what I don't think what Pat's paying me for Oh, this. is that right? I don't think Pat's paying well, me. Well, Cody, thank you so much. Thank you guys so I really much. appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. We got to the bottom of a lot. We really covered a lot of ground with Cody Rhodes. I didn't want it to end there, though. A lot of people 
question why Pat, and I could have gone on with Cody for another hour, but he had to get to his meet and greet and all that stuff. A lot of people question why Pat Buck's name is on the list at all. So I thought as a bonus, I would bring Pat Buck in and talk to him for a few minutes about why he's on the list and about getting ready for the match that he competed in over the weekend. All right, so now that we've spoken to Cody Rhodes, Pat Buck is here, and like we're all familiar with Pat Buck, but you're like a... I feel like a local. (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of new people, new faces in this room. And I was sitting in the back, a ball of nerves because I love wrestling. I love being a promoter. I hate interweaving the two because it's such a overwhelming responsibility and being on time and promoting the show and making sure everything's going great. Right. And then following what Cody was just talking about, like following that, I'm like, this (laughs) might be the worst day ever. Well... It's your day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and it's your show. So what was it like for you? Because I know for a lot of, of us that, are, that kind of know your story, and you've been on the podcast before, so people know your story. Um, and if you don't, you should go back and download it because it's, uh, it's great. But when your name pops up on that list next to I, it, you, all these internationally known sure. names, and, like, did you know that was coming at all? Uh, I knew. He told me um, two separate stories. One, when – because, I mean, throughout the years, I've – me and Cody have there's been times where we text each other multiple times a day and there's times I haven't heard from him for months so I was kept in the loop which is kind of wrestling right? yeah that's just wrestling for you so about the time where he asked for his release he told me hey um I think I I text him hey like you want to do a show and he's like I believe I owe you an event from something prior and uh something actually had happened years ago where I, I actually booked Dusty and Dusty couldn't make it because of a health issue. And Cody was trying to tell the office, hey, um, please send me in his spot. I'll sign autographs. I'll do whatever. And didn't happen. Right. Um, so when I texted him, he's like, yeah, I, I believe I owe you a show. And then uh, it, he was like, we have to wrestle each other. So that was kind of uh, nerve-wracking. He's like, hey, I got this big PR stunt I'm going to do. Um, you'll, you'll see it in a few days. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's nice. But to see... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm no dummy. I know the people that know me and the people that don't know me. So I think people are like, oh, is there like a third young buck? Or like, <laughs> like a, is there like a younger brother somewhere that we don't know that's like a new guy? Um, I saw it everywhere. It's like literally, who, who's the Pat Buck? And I was like, oh, wow, I really am the dark horse on this list. And uh, But it goes back to the fact that, you know, it was his first match. and You were his first match. Yeah. So, and we've had a, you know, a friendship of, you know, we've had completely – different paths over the last dare I say 10 11 years in wrestling with him and I've been in it for like 15 now um but it's cu- crazy to see where where you know he took one path I took another and we're still doing it you know yeah. full time so uh I was really you know flattered and I thought it was awesome I thought the list was great and you guys knew each other from developmental that's where the first match took place yeah uh I remember actually I remember one day uh we used to have uh, my story in Cliff Notes, I was basically the equivalent of a walk-on college athlete, except in wrestling, even though it's sports entertainment, whatever you say. Uh, I moved down there trying to get a job, so I was training alongside the WWE developmental talent. Every now and then, they would send— But you weren't necessarily signed to a deal. I wasn't signed to a deal. Yes. I was paying my own way. In fact, 10 years ago at this time, I was—I uh, remember this story. Uh, I was living at a hotel, uh, paying, paying my way, trying to survive bartending, and I was— training with a uh, developmental class and they would send WWE would send agents and different you know legends to kind of come down and coach us or or just work with us and I remember one particular day they sent Dusty 
and Dusty came down, I believe it was a Tuesday, and he watched the whole developmental program work matches, including me. So uh, I think I had like two matches that day, and uh, at the time I thought I was really good, and Dusty is like, told me I was very, very green, but I was appreciative towards that. But I remember, uh, you know, I was in kind of uh, low spirits because at that time I was like the new rookie kid, even though I was training alongside the WWE guys. But the next day I went to training, and I was always first one there trying to be eager and get a job. And this kid walks in, and he's like, hey, my dad was here yesterday. Nice to meet you. I'm Cody. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm Pat. Like, who, who's your dad? He's like, oh, Dusty. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no idea. So, uh, but then from that, we just became, you know, really close. And I was, like, secretly, like, pumping my fist in the corner, like, happy because I'm like, oh, yes, finally there's going to be a newer guy here, and I'm not the young rookie, you know, super greenhorn anymore yeah and uh you know but then cody was either a complete natural or he was completely lying about the fact that he had training because he was (laughs) really good but we had our first match and i remember it was just like a you know random ovw house show and it probably wasn't very good but uh you know it was a memory and it was it was fun to have many of those with him and you know a lot of guys that are that have you know had successful careers yeah were you when you as as uh, being in the business that you're in now, like when you see a guy like Cody Rhodes and he announces he's leaving WWE, mm-hmm. are you like jumping for joy? Yeah, sometimes because I mean it's not not necessarily jumping for joy. It's that I'm always trying to being a promoter for WrestlePro. Uh, I think that most promotions are niche promotions or niche, whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't want to be that. I kind of want to have something that, you know, indie fans really appreciate, uh, mainstream fans w- will appreciate. Because you, you know when you go to Evolve or you go to, uh, you know, Ring of Honor, you're getting hard-hitting in-ring action from the guys that can go. If you go to other promotions, and they do a great job, like Northeast Wrestling or, uh, you know, promotions like that, you're, you're just going to see the names, and they don't care about the undercard. They don't really care about the indie guys at all. I want to do everything. I want to have, you know... Great independent wrestling action, you know, like tonight we have Grado, Cole Cabana, you know, and, and then I'll use guys like, you know, Cody's top free agent, if you will, you know, uh, just different. If a guy gets released tomorrow or they have some relevancy or people want to see them or get their autograph, I mean, Ric Flair's sitting out of the room right now. Like, try to mix it up. That's what I want to do. I want to kind of give something to everyone. So, um, but I am extra excited when someone, when a friend of mine gets fired or, uh, <laughs> You know, I keep telling Broski, I'm like, any day, man, <laughs> any day. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes it's, it, it's a bless, It's a sad thing, but then again, it's not sad because, you know, guys like Cody and guys like Ryback, are, you know, they'll, they'll give a nice little element to the show that we put on. Yeah, but then Hawkins lets you know that he's going back. <laughs> what do you mean you're going back? Why would you do that? And tonight is the opposite, where my business partner at Creative Pro, uh, our training school, he, it's his last night here. Which yeah. it, it's, it's kind of weird because I believe I was his first booking post WWE, and he's thanked me in, in, in private and public that you know uh, this was his home promotion for the last two years that kept him. I mean, he's he's been in great places. He's been all over, uh, but I he was on every show, putting a prominent role, and you know I dare I say that it gave him a nice little in between as he he's getting ready to debut what this week next week. So yeah. it's really awesome to see that things are very circle and you know. They come around. So are you trying to figure out in your match with Cody tonight? Like, have you watched, like, the Kurt Angle and the Bolista and everything that he's done going, like, how can I make a match with Cody that's as good, if not better, than what he's done? Because, you know, that's part of, like, 
it's one thing to be the dark horse on the mm-hmm. list, but then you know part of being the underdog is you want to excel, right? Absolutely. So are you, are you are you thinking like okay, we need to figure out how to do a match that people are going to be like, whoa, I know everybody was paying attention to these like massive names, but look at this thing he did with Pat Buck. Yeah, I have to kind of establish that I'm not just some buddy on the list that I can go, that I can wrestle, and that's that's part of my thing too. I wouldn't be, you know. Uh, I've been training for this match like a madman. Like, I have to prove myself. There's still, you know, not to be corny, there's stuff in the basement. I mean, Cody's, like th- I think, 31. I'm 32. Uh, there's nothing that – I love being promoter, but at the heart of it, um, there's no bigger high than performing. I'm a ball of nerves right now. You know, I have to run a successful show, promote a show, but the most important thing to me at the end of the day is still performing and still – you know, and I have to be different than these guys. I've seen the – so far to Cody's matches, uh, first time I ever ordered – paid for wrestling content. Uh, I saw him and Zack Sabre, and I saw him and Chris Hero, and two completely different matches, and uh, I won't, I just got to be different. I have to, you know, you guys have to leave here tonight going, you know, remembering, seeing who I am, seeing who he is, but I have to find a way to stand out because I don't want to be the the lame guy in the list. I want to be the guy that like, oh man, I remember that match. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I think that's an interesting point you just brought up too, because Usually, like, I've seen you before shows where you have a match on the show, mm-hmm. and usually your promoter hat is on. Sure. And you just have to throw the tights on, do the match, and come back, and your promoter hat is mm-hmm. on. But you feel like a performer tonight. Yeah, this is pressure. You know, it's, yeah. it's it, because I hate being uh, – I hate promoters that when they start wrestling, they're always putting themselves over, and they just have a promotion. I, I barely like to wrestle on my own shows because I want my guys to succeed. Uh, and that, that's truthful. Uh, though I do love wrestling, I've never wanted to be put in a main spot. And this is, like, really the first time tonight putting myself in, you know, the main events to close out all this great wrestling action. And that's a, and I'm also – you guys got to realize that the locker room here is a little bit different because, dare I say, you know, 50 to 60% of these guys I've trained from scratch. So I'm their general, and I'm going out there with, what dare I say, the, you know, top free agent pro wrestling – and they got to know, you know, I got to represent them. And I got to represent all most of you people here are regulars. So I can't let this be that this, this isn't just a pit stop for Cody Rhodes. This is, you know, a place where I want him, when he goes into his other matches, go, man, that thing with Buck was real. So there's a lot of pressure, and I, I do have my performer hat on. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's give Pat Buck a round of applause for giving us this venue and this show and everything, and we're all looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Sam. For sure. Be fun. Here is Sam Roberts. We got it all from Cody Rhodes. He's getting everything done, everything he ever wanted to do. Luckily, he's already been in a video game, because I don't think he'll be in this year's video game. What is this year's video game? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by WWE 2K17. Yes, folks. Get ready to be taken to Suplex City, courtesy of WWE 2K17. WWE 2K17 is back once again as the defending champion of WWE video games with its cover superstar, Brock Lesnar. WWE 2K17 features amazing graphics and gameplay as well as a gigantic roster featuring the biggest and brightest WWE superstars, both past and present. Dream matches abound. 2K7, WWE 2K17 also offers a powerful creation suite featuring returning favorites such as Create a Superstar, Create a Championship, as well as new creation options such as Create a Video and Create a Victory. Oh, I can't wait to play this game. All the, uh, the new promo engine, which is amazing, 
brings the drama and personality of the WWE superstars to life in my career and WWE universe modes. Your words will shape your characters as they rise through the ranks of NXT and WWE to become WWE Hall of Famers. Enjoy a star-studded soundtrack featuring some of the top names in the music industry curated by executive soundtrack pr- producer Sean Diddy Combs, a.k.a. the man you know as Puff Daddy. Pre-order your copy today, today, and you'll receive two playable characters of the legendary Bill Goldberg, one from his days in WCW, the other from his WWE tenure, as well as two classic WCW arenas. For more information on everything WWE 2K17, go to WWE. Go to WWE. What am I, 1996? Go to WWE.2K.com. That's WWE.2K.com. WWE 2K17 hits the shelves on October 11th. Pre-order now. WWE.2K.com. Before we move into State of Wrestling, we'll talk about Cody Rhodes and how, really, something that struck me this weekend, and I'll talk about it maybe in the State of Wrestling, is how wide open the world of wrestling really is. Cody Rhodes, he came off in the interview as he came off in person, genuinely happy that he's getting to do all these things that he wanted to do. CM Punk, I feel like is genuinely happy that he did his UFC fight, although he did very poorly. Um, he was he was a role model to people that want to uh, go for their dreams, and it was a little bit embarrassing for wrestling fans because it proved that wrestlers are not as tough as MMA fighters in general. But, but... The point is he did it and there was a spot for him. The fact that the world is opening up to pro wrestlers is a good thing. Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, they always said that our competition is everything, not just wrestling. We're finally getting to a place where the competition is everything. Where a guy like Cody Rhodes could leave WWE because he wants to wrestle in Rawway and Reseda and Ring of Honor and all over the place. Where a guy like CM Punk could leave WWE because Dana White is opening is open to hearing him talk to him about maybe trying his hand at MMA. And I think it's a really good thing. Uh, just because opportunities are good for everybody. The more opportunities, the better. And you need to get the right amount of opportunity to get razors for that pretty face of yours. Or ladies for your legs. My wife uses uh, uses these razors on her legs all the time. Of course, when you talk about razors, you talk about how expensive they are. But it's not a problem for me. And it's not because I'm rolling in the big bucks. Me and you, I bet our bank accounts look a lot alike. Guess what? You don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com's the answer. That's right. To prove how amazing their shave really is right now, I am going to get you your first month from Dollar Shave Club absolutely free. That's right. The first month is free when you join Dollar Shave Club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to my door for a third of the price of what those greedy, greedy, greedy razor companies charge. Seriously, I have no reason to deal with any drugstore hassle. Uh, I, I don't have to, you know how they lock up the razor blades and you can't figure out how to get them? I don't have to ask for assistance to get the razors off the shelf because there's some fortress around them. Never. And neither will you. When you join the club, you know what club I'm talking about. Go to dollarshaveclub.com, pick a razor that works for you from their lineup of amazing blades, and that's all there is to it. You'll get what I get, a first-class shave when I use the executive 
blade. And when I use it with their Dr. Carver shave butter, the blade just gently glides for the smoothest shave ever. Look, facial hair on a man has never been so important as it is right now. Don't look like a fool. Get involved with this. Go to dollarshaveclub.com. You can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks, and you don't have to pay it. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like me love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get their first, your first month with them for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. Trust me, it's worth it. After that, it's just a couple bucks a month. No long-term commitment, no hidden fees. There's really no reason not to do it. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. You want that first month? You want to try it out? Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. Check it out for yourself. You can look as dashing as Cody Rhodes does. Now, let's get into the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time, and I should really start uh, with Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, I got, I'm so glad that you guys called me out on Twitter for this. I was previewing Backlash last week, and in my whole scenario for the women's match, I didn't mention Becky Lynch once. And if you look at, I don't know if you want to call them predictions, but what you thought that I was going to have, what I thought was going to happen at Backlash or predictions or the way I would go, whatever it was, my Backlash preview, the only match that I really got wrong was the women's match. And I guess that's because I counted out Becky. Look, Becky Lynch, she's been on the podcast before. One of my favorite performers, not female performers, performers on the roster, for sure. Uh, I certainly didn't mean to slight her. I just hadn't uh, thought of her. I wouldn't have thought that she would win the match anyway. I felt like that was a little on the nose to have her win the match. I still wish, like, to me, I felt like Backlash was Natty's one time to get it. I feel like... Since that's not the direction that they went in, Natty is doomed to go back to where she once was. Natty is kind of doomed to stay in that role of, you know, the the grizzled female veteran who's just there to make the younger people look good. It's interesting. I'm very curious as to what they're going to do with Nikki Bella because it's obvious that as much as Nikki Bella is far and away the biggest female star on the roster, mainly because of the reality shows and stuff like that, they're really pushing forward with the younger talent. Like, they're really pushing forward. They're giving Carmella a good story with Nikki. Uh, Alexa Bliss we'll talk about, but she may be the MVP of the roster. And, of course, Becky Lynch is the champion. It's very apparent that on both shows, the current generation of women is the one that they're going with. Nobody from the from the Divas generation, we'll call it, is in the spotlight, except for Maurice, who doesn't even wrestle. She's in a totally different division. But uh, I do apologize for not mentioning Becky Lynch. Uh, Part of me still wishes, like, I really, really feel like, I don't know, maybe this is because I'm, maybe this is old. Maybe this has been there, done that territory. But I still would have liked to see a Nikki Bella natty women's championship feud. I still would like to see it to this day. And maybe a lot of people feel like they've already seen it. Maybe these are people that have been around for a while and we want something new. I don't know. But I would. I'd be excited about it. And I would still be excited about it. Speaking of women, uh, Paige, she was on social media this week. 
She's officially returning to the roster after her suspension is done. I think next week her suspension is up, so she'll be back. We were talking about it here on the podcast. There was a lot of speculation, people saying that she was trying to get out of her contract so that she could quit and leave with Alberto Del Rio. Um, I'm so glad that Paige is coming back. She has to. She has to. I think it would be a, a really bad move, a really bad move for for Paige to leave. You know, I, I don't think that it would accomplish anything. I think it would slow down her career immensely. Uh, honestly, she would be much better suited on SmackDown at the moment. The women's division on Raw is all taken care of. See, they're, they're handling the women's division on Raw and SmackDown in two different ways. Like, SmackDown has a much more full women's division, which is ironic. They have six people. It's been, it's, it's been made very clear who the six women on the roster are. There's no question about how many people are there. Ava Marie, I guess, will be coming back after she's uh, done suffering from exhaustion, if you remember the SummerSlam. I think it was SummerSlam announcement. Um, but they're handling it in two different ways in the sense that on Raw, there's really only one women's story, and it's revolving around the championship, right? It's every woman versus Charlotte. And now with Dana Brooke, it's even more. It's literally everybody. It's Bailey coming in and being like, hey, I beat Charlotte. I should get the championship. And then Sasha saying, well, I get a rematch. And then Dana Brooke saying, well, I just turned on Charlotte, so I should get it. Uh, and that's the story of the women. So I don't know that Paige is going to have any spot on Raw. I don't know where she fits in unless they invent a new storyline for women that doesn't revolve around the title. You know, oh my God, there's a, there's a thought. Whereas on SmackDown, there is a story about the title. You've got uh, Alexa Bliss now going after the title, but you've also got the Nikki Bella Carmella storyline. You've got Natty with her own character. Like every other, uh, the women's roster on SmackDown actually feels like there are spots for people. It's not just women that are wrestling and they all want to be the champion, which is as basic as wrestling can possibly get. So it's nice to see that it's not quite so basic over on SmackDown as it is on Raw right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, ironically, especially because Raw has the better roster, right? Raw has Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte. Like, Raw is loaded. But they're not they're not using their three hours the way SmackDown's using their two. Paige has a spot on SmackDown. And Nia Jax, of course, I'm not mentioning who's also on Raw, but Nia Jax is basically just doing... Braun Strowman's story just a week later, you know? And I'm, I guess Alicia Fox, who's also on the Raw roster, is the Sin Cara. But that's what I mean, right? Like on SmackDown, there's no Sin Cara of the SmackDown women's division because there's only six women. But on Raw, it was made clear. Alicia Fox is the Sin Cara of the women's division because they're not doing anything with the women's division on Raw except having people chase the title and having Charlotte be mean. And Charlotte's great. You know, here's 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 where you could have gone, right? If you'd slowed down a little bit. I feel like Raw, it's, it's, it's moving and moving and moving, and it's like slow down for a second. Just because you have an idea doesn't mean you have to execute it immediately. What could have easily happened here uh, is Charlotte loses... Charlotte and or can lose the title to Sasha. Okay, Sasha earns her number one contendership, right? Charlotte loses the title back to Sasha. Bailey says, hey, Sasha, I deserve a shot at the title. 
At the same time, Charlotte says, no, I do. Charlotte gets her rematch on Raw after the pay-per-view. That's when you've got Dana Brooke screwing up again. Charlotte reprimanding her. That's when Dana Brooke finally turns. The build, the build, the build, the build. If you're going to make Dana Brooks uh, the Virgil to Charlotte's Ted DiBiase, then let's build. Let's establish a relationship here. And you build and you build and you build. And Charlotte just lost the title, so she's pissed. She's running down uh, uh, Dana Brooke with her mouth. Now you've got two stories going on. You've got Dana Brooke and Charlotte who are going to have a grudge match. And you've got Sasha and Bailey over here who are going to be wrestling for the women's championship. Why not? Instead, it's almost like, yeah, Dana Brooke can remind Charlotte that she's pissed at her. But Charlotte now has Sasha Banks. She's got Bailey waiting in the wings. And somewhere behind them all, Dana Brooks going, yeah, well, I still hate you. And you're like, okay. And, you, and you've kind of lost all steam for the match because she didn't win the triple threat. Like she, Unless she ends up going back with Charlotte somehow. I don't know. It's just, it's just so convoluted. All for the sake of making that opening match on Raw a triple threat match. Now, it was a great match. And the segment was good with the women. But I don't understand why you rushed the Dana Brooks storyline so quickly. Why don't you just, like, like get the idea? Of course that's where it's going, but a nice pace. A nice pace. But what are you going to do? I think Alexa Bliss has been a standout since coming over from NXT. Uh, she doesn't feel like an NXT chick when she's on SmackDown. She feels like she belongs on SmackDown. Um, and, you know, I, I think she's still got work to do. I think she's got a lot of work to do. But I think she was doing... She did better than Eva Marie, for sure, at handling what Daniel Bryan was throwing at her on Talking Smack. Go back to the episode of Talking Smack. It was one of the first ones when Daniel Bryan was uh, asking Eva Marie who she didn't like on the roster. And Eva Marie just kind of curls up into a ball, right? Alexa Bliss, on the other hand, she did a good job of telling a story with uh, Becky and talking about NXT and bringing up their history and everything. I think she could have done more. I think she could have taken a few more shots at Naomi. I think she could have maybe maybe taken a shot at Natty. Maybe not. I don't know because Natty's a bad guy too. But, you know, I, I think the bad guys should be taking shots. It's like what we were saying about Dolph Ziggler uh, last week. There's no reason for anybody to compliment anybody. So I think Alexa Bliss could have gone a little harder. I think that the, the uh, bad guy characters on TV, and I would say heel, but Cody Rhodes would be mad at me. I would uh, The bad guys can act a little more like bad guys. Sometimes, especially with the younger people on Talking Smack, it feels like they're a little bit scared to say exactly what's on their mind. You know what I mean? Like they start on a roll, but then Daniel Bryan will throw a curveball at them, and they'll get this look on their face like they know they're saying something wrong or they're in trouble. And not and not that Daniel Bryan is just a ball buster who's just going to keep throwing questions at people like that just to see how they can roll. Um, but that said... I think Alexa Bliss is a standout, and she's getting better and better and better. I'm glad that she... I'm I'm looking forward to the Alexa Bliss-Becky Lynch match at the next SmackDown pay-per-view. I think that... that I, I like that story. I think it's a good story, and I think it'll be a good match. Speaking of stories, I have to tell you, I walked in to looking at Deleter Decay, and I thought to myself, this is going to be like Sharknado 2. Like Sharknado, the original Sharknado movie. It was amazing because you didn't see it coming. You're like, this couldn't be this bad, but good and weird and creative, but off-putting. And I, 
So I go, okay, this is probably going to be like Sharknado 2. When Sharknado 2 comes out, they go, oh, they figured out the formula, put a bunch of, you know, B-level stars in there, have them do crazy stuff, and have sharks come out of places that you didn't expect sharks to come out of. Okay, understood. Formula achieved, and then we can just keep pumping out Xerox copy of Sharknado movies for the rest of time. That's how I felt when I heard there was a final deletion sequel. Not high expectations. I felt like this is Sharknado 2. I'm sure we're going to get, you know, some... We'll get the funny voice. We'll probably get a, a, a callback to the xylophone. Oh, I see you've dropped your xylophone. But nothing. None of that happened. You know what we got instead? Honestly, I thought it was really good storytelling. I really enjoyed The Leader Decay. Like, it, I felt like it was... It, it it had the vibe, and I watched the director's cut on YouTube, and the director's cut had this vibe of, like, a really strong 80s-influenced student horror film. You know, I thought that Decay, uh, uh, being a part of it, was perfect, because what you've done now, the original final deletion piece involved Matt and Jeff Hardy and Senor Benjamin. No spider monkeys. Just those three. Right, and that piece to me, it felt like it was like so good. It's the best thing TNA's done in a while, but it exists separate from TNA because it's just Matt and Jeff Hardy. You know what I mean? So TNA can all be going on, and then you've got this storyline. Now what you've done is you've taken that juice, you've taken that amazing like weirdness and creativity and left of center thinking, and you've actually brought the TNA world into it. It's a risk. It's a risk to introduce TNA characters into this final deletion world is a major, major risk. Because it it could up the cheese factor by like 700%. Easily. Easily. But it didn't. It didn't. Because it 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 was well done for what it was. It was fun. It was funny. It was interesting. I watched the whole thing. It's like a 20-minute thing. And I found myself wanting to watch the whole thing. And there were the, the callbacks were done in the right way. You know, bottle rockets. You know, we saw Vanguard 1. The boat was there. I love the way Senior Benjamin's character is developed. And you know what? You know what they're not getting? I don't know if they're getting credit for it or not. But they should get a lot of credit for. They realized, and they meaning the people behind the whole Broken Matt Hardy thing. They realized the broken Matt Hardy was this beloved thing that, that, that too many fans because the original final deletion broken Matt Hardy is a bad guy broken Matt Hardy is a villain who is trying to destroy brother Nero but they have molded and, and melded with the story and the audience in such a way that it's allowed the people to still cheer for Matt Hardy. You have, you've turned broken Matt Hardy throughout this saga into a good guy, which isn't the easiest thing in the world. You've turned him into a good guy without losing the integrity. And I know, but broken Matt Hardy does have integrity in the character. You've figured out how to turn him good and how to make it okay to cheer for him without losing the integrity of it. So now, broken Matt Hardy and brother Nero as a tag team in a quest to retrieve Senor Benjamin 
have sympathy. And they can fight this evil decay group. And it makes sense. Somehow it makes sense. TNA has been bad at storytelling for many years. Somehow, as I'm watching this, the story makes perfect sense and I'm compelled to see where this is going next. Whether it's in a wrestling ring, whether it's in the impact zone, whether it's on <coughs> whether it's on a ranch, whether it's in the middle of a road, whether they're hanging out with spider monkeys, which by the way, obviously do not hold uh, deceased spirits because they are spider monkeys. Anybody, anybody from this point forward that wants to be my friend needs to know that spider monkeys don't hold the spirits of the deceased because, well, they're spider monkeys. <laughs> Unlike, who did you say, Joe Frazier? The kangaroo was Joe Frazier and George Washington steal, stealing Rebecca's hat. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I feel like it's been long enough since uh, Final Deletion, what's it been, a month, month and a half, that they could do something cool. And they were smart. Like, it wasn't just like this crazy over-the-top fighting scene that Final Deletion was. Instead, you had a story being told. And it was done differently, and it was done right. And I just, I'm, I'm so on board with it. And if that is what Billy Corgan is bringing to the table, and all the little head nods in it, I loved that, like, the, the truck driver turns on the radio and it's a Smashing pumpkin song and he changes it right away. The little, the little uh, Easter eggs that are hidden throughout this thing are amazing. The Bucks of Youth, Spider Monkeys. It's great. It's great, Matt and Nick. Um, but so, so, so I, I, I was, yeah, I was very, very uh, excited by it. And if, they, like I said, if this is where Billy Corgan sees all this going. I couldn't be more on board with the idea that Billy Corgan could be running TNA. He said on a Facebook live chat, I think a Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, picked it up, that he was in talks to own TNA outright. That he wanted to straight up buy the company and it would be his company and blah, blah, blah. And I got to tell you, I think it's a great idea. It seems like, like Billy Corgan is obviously a very creative dude. Obviously very, very creative. But he's also such a wrestling fan. And he strikes me as a guy who's a fan of storytelling. Same way I am. Like, that's what he likes. He likes storytelling. And he's committed to kind of this old school way of doing it. Because really, if you're pre-taping shows, like TNA does, if you do six weeks of TV or whatever it is in a single shot in a weekend, then... The surprise moments are not going to be what draws people in. But if you've got a story to tell and it's compelling, or you can show it in a way that's different, then guess what? Then you've got something. Same thing Lucha Underground is doing. The Lucha Underground live experience is something very different than the TV experience, which means they can stock up on episodes and do these live shows, and then when it comes on TV, it's a totally different experience, so it doesn't feel stale. That is what these pre-tapes, these uh, deletion pre-tapes, have brought to TNA. And even if you're not doing it through pre-tapes, you can still, like, you know, episodic television is taped months and months and months in advance. So that's the trick, is you need good storytelling. It's not enough. If you're going to pre-tape your shows, it's not enough to just have great matches all the time. And they don't have great matches all the time, but they have good matches. But it's not enough just to have great matches 
and like aha moments. You know, even when Damian Sandow debuted on TNA, it was still like you you kind of knew it was happening, so it wasn't this big. It didn't get people talking the way it should have. And that's not because Damian Sandow's not a big deal. It's because he didn't do anything. It's because there was no story behind it. Like, if you're going to debut Damian Sandow, I think you need to figure out, or Aaron Rex, I think you need to figure out who is Aaron Rex and what is he doing in TNA. And you need to give people, okay, i got to see what's happening next. You know, I don't know. You heard Cody Rhodes in the interview. Cody may be going over to TNA. Uh, you know, he implied that he would so he could fight Moose and whoever else. They're saying he may, uh, on the internet, says he may do a storyline with Mike Bennett as well. And look, that's one of those things where Cody needs to make a strong impression when he first gets there and start telling a story immediately. So that way, even if you know it's coming, it's this thing that people are talking about. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was live when they did it. But you got to see it. It was amazing. It came off really cool. It came off blah, blah, blah. That's how you get around that stuff. That's how you figure it out. But to just have, like, uh, names is not enough for a show that's been pre-taped so far in advance. It's not really enough for a show that's live. But it's certainly not enough for, for, for the show that's... And if your show is pre-taped, then you have time to, to write. You're not going week to week. You have time to sit down and flush out a story. That's why for so long, I don't really... They don't really do it as much anymore. But there was a period of time in NXT where there were pretty decent stories going on. There were characters and storylines. And that's because they would sit down and they'd be able to write several weeks of TV. And they'd figure out how this story arc really looked and they'd be able to see it all pan out. They wouldn't be trying to figure out week to week. And by the third week, you've forgotten what's happened in the first week just because when you're just moving at that speed, sometimes it happens. And if you watch WWE, you've noticed. You've noticed it happened before. You know, I like I don't know when you're writing live TV, I don't know why somebody doesn't stop and say, you know, we we've been doing the exact same thing with Nia Jax and Braun Strowman for weeks. Like it's like it's one thing to do it with one of them or the other or to kind of mix it up, but to play out the exact same way both times. I mean, I would say Nia Jax probably looked a little stronger than Braun did, only because Nia Jax actually like looked like she crippled Alicia Fox. Whereas Braun just got the count-out victory. You know, that's kind of what should have happened to Braun, but Braun should have unmasked Sin Cara and done a whole thing about it. Um, so I don't know. I like, I'll tell you what I like on WWE. I like the uh, angry Bo Dallas character. He's, he, he reminds me, and ironically enough because of Bray Wyatt, but Bo Dallas reminds me a little bit of Waylon Mercy when he's kind of smiling and Bo leaving, but then he starts to get real mad when he gets in the ring and his style is just brutal. I like it, and I'm glad they found something for Bo Dallas. But while we're talking about uh, Bo Dallas, let's talk about Bray Wyatt. So, as far as backlash goes, I thought everything that should have happened, happened. Every storytelling device, every everything, in every match, I said, I would think that this is how they should do this. And they did it for all of them, and you can go back and listen to last week's podcast. But you should believe me at this point. I'm a trustworthy guy. Um, everything except Bray Wyatt. You know, I positioned Kane. And if you saw, if you saw Talking Smack, because I talked about the Alexa Bliss thing, you know who's great on Talking Smack? Baron Corbin. You talk about a true bad guy. 
Baron Corbin. A guy who's acting like he doesn't want to be there. A guy who just wants to hurt people. A guy who's not taking Daniel Bryan's crap. Because as I said before, I understand that Daniel Bryan's one of the best of all time. But if you want me to believe in the wrestlers that are on TV, they should all know that Daniel Bryan can't do anything to them because he's not allowed to wrestle. And none of them should be scared of him. They should all be like Braun Strowman. If he's like messing with them, they should be reminding him by, with their eyes, I'll kick your ass too. That's what should be happening. I mean, that's why uh, we'll talk about, the, uh, let me talk about Daniel Bryan and The Miz and Baron Corbin in a second. Because um, I want to talk about Bray Wyatt, because I like that. But I don't like what happened to Bray Wyatt, and I think that's obvious. And I think most of you don't. Bray Wyatt lost to Kane at the pay-per-view. The reason I brought up Baron Corbin is because I suggested that Kane would be a great opponent for Baron Corbin because it would be somebody with a big name that Baron Corbin could beat. Not because Kane could beat Baron Corbin the way Kane beat Bray Wyatt. It was immensely disappointing to watch that happen. And there were people who disagreed. You know, there are lots of people who give it the benefit of a doubt. They go... uh, well, Bray still, quote-unquote, looked strong. I hate him. Well, he still looked strong because of the outside interference. Oh, okay, yeah, he looked strong, quote-unquote. Or they say, well, no, it worked with the storyline because Randy Orton cost him the match, and now it needs... Look, number one, you didn't need it for the storyline. Obviously, Bray is mad at Randy Orton because he injured him. Obviously, Randy Orton wants to fight Bray because Bray injured him. The storyline already was taken care of in the pre-tape, in the injury thing, when Bray injured Randy Orton, the story's taken care of. The follow-up between Bray and Randy is taken care of. If anything, Bray's got to beat Kane now because he could say, Randy, I just beat Kane. You're next. You're next. Not, hey, I just got beat by Kane. You're next to beat me because that's what's obviously happening. And it's, and it's, it's, it's not great. You know, I understand why Randy Orton would get the victory, but not Kane. You know, and, and, and I, I don't mind that Kane's there, but Kane can be there to make people look stronger at this point in his career. He's never going to look weak, Kane. Still looks strong. Oh, really? There was, there, the statistics have been unbelievable. I only, I, Bray has won, like, I don't know, a very, very, I saw it on Reddit, I think, like the, the tiniest number of matches Singles matches in 2016, it's like three or something like that. Bray doesn't win matches anymore, ever. Like, it's not like it's, it's, it's this thing where Bray only wins half the time. He doesn't win at all. He never wins matches. How, why would anyone be scared of a guy who never wins matches? Why, when you were, if Bray still, quote-unquote, looks strong, then... Why, when The Undertaker was being built as this intimidating presence from the dark side that people should fear, why did he go undefeated for a year if, if, if it doesn't matter, if he still could have looked strong? Why did he go undefeated for a year? Because nobody's afraid of a guy who consistently loses matches. Do you think The Undertaker's streak would have been as impressive if he was 0-30? And he got his first WrestleMania win finally. Do you think it would have been like, oh, we're intimidated. Nobody wants to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania because he loses all the time. 
No, there's nothing intimidating about losing. And there's always a reason outside interference here or this or that or his partner or whatever it is. But he just loses all the time. And then he comes out and he's like, oh, I got, uh, I got all these fireflies around me and I can control your mind. Well, why don't you, if you can control my mind, you should uh, control my mind to beat me. Don't make my mind stronger so that I win these matches. It doesn't make any sense. If I'm a wrestler, I'm not afraid of Bray Wyatt because he loses all the time. He's good at talking. His pants are awesome. He keeps disappearing and reappearing when the lights go out. But I don't care because guess what? If I'm a wrestler, let's live in the world of the story. If I'm a wrestler, I'm not afraid of Bray Wyatt because I know if the when the lights go off, if they come back on and he's in the ring, odds are I'm going to beat him. If it's not a match, he might get the better of me. But if the lights come back on and I all of a sudden have a match with Bray Wyatt, I'm probably going to win because he loses all the time. It's either him or James Ellsworth. Losing all the time. Honestly, I think Bray Wyatt should leave the company. And I am the biggest WWE fan in the world. I am diehard WWE. I live and die by it. I was skeptical when Cody Rhodes left WWE. I just said Paige leaving WWE would be a bad idea. I very seldom think that somebody leaving WWE is a good idea. But in this scenario, what's Bray staying for? Why is Bray Wyatt still there? What's the point? This character can be taken outside of WWE. Because guess what? WWE does own Bray Wyatt. But you don't think... Uh, picture this. Picture all of a sudden the final deletion angle stops being funny and starts feeling real because Bray Windham shows up. What if Bray Windham showed up in Japan? What if Bray Windham showed up at Ring of Honor? The, the Bray Wyatt character can live in all these places where we're supposed to believe in a certain reality where we're maybe supposed to take things a little more seriously. The Bray Wyatt character can still live there because it's a very strong character. But it has no business in WWE right now. It's not a strong character in WWE. It looks good. It sounds good. It acts good. But it doesn't win any matches. So say goodbye to Bray Wyatt. And have Bray Windham be unleashed on the wrestling world. If there's anything I learned this weekend... It's that there is a world outside of WWE, that the, the, the wrestling world is expanding and expanding. And the way the world works now is you don't need a number two. You don't need a WCW. Because Bray Windham works in TNA, works in Ring of Honor, works in Lucha, works in New Japan, works all over the place. New Japan would flip out for Bray Windham. You kidding me? They would love him. Big husky American dude that kicks people asses? Be like Dr. Death wearing cool pants. Bray Windham could be great. So Bray, if you're listening to this man, I you know I think the world of you. Bray Windham works outside of WWE. And that's something to keep in mind. Because right now, like, it is the most disappointing thing to even after the draft... The guy gets dragged, like, and it's all, it's just so many teases. 
What do you get drafted? Like third or something? And then he ends up still being a non-issue, a non-entity. You know, it's just, it's a shame. It's a shame. The character works, and the character can work elsewhere. Um, speaking of working in elsewhere, like, uh, I was going to say the story, t- when I was talking about storytelling, uh, the fact that the, <coughs> the fact that the leader decay looks like Lucha Underground a little bit is very telling. And I think that is the direction that a lot of storytelling is going, because Lucha is back for a season three, and uh, I'm very, very excited. I have to get my iTunes pass so I can watch the episodes again, because I don't have El Rey, unfortunately. So hopefully next week we'll be able to talk a little more about Lucha Underground. You know what was great on WWE this week? John Cena. John Cena was awesome. Awesome on WWE this week. The fact that he went on SmackDown, he looked at Dean Ambrose in the face, and he called him out on the Stone Cold podcast, like... In that moment, there was this real thing going on between Dean Ambrose and John Cena. All of a sudden, I care about what's going on between John Cena and Dean Ambrose. I thought he delivered the line perfectly. I thought Ambrose reacted like, well, I mean, who knows? Who knows if he saw it coming or not? My guess is he probably did see it coming, like it was probably a planned thing. But it didn't come across as cheesy. It didn't come across as scripted at all. It came across as real. And like we've said a hundred times... Wrestling is best when you don't really know what's real or fake. I love and and see this. That, there's a payoff there. Like I don't. I'm still going back to my general manager thing, because if you watch SmackDown and then watch Talking Smack, there was like a legitimate thing bubbling between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. I love the way The Miz has been used. First of all, big shout out to uh, James Ellsworth, who of course has been a guest on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. That was like three weeks ago at this point. You can download that uh, and check it out for yourself. But I love that James Ellsworth was back. Great use of the man who, as long as he's got two fists, can put up a fight. Um, but the Miz jumping in in the main event like that, I, I am I am enamored with everything that's going on with the Miz right now. And you guys know, I'm a hardcore Miz fit. I have been for a long time. But the Miz is in the best part of his career right now. This is It's so fun watching this unfold and you know I have to tell you Daniel Bryan being a smart ass and trust me I know because I'm the biggest smart ass there is but Daniel Bryan being a smart ass runs the risk of coming off as a bad guy people are going to start feeling sympathetic for guys like The Miz because Daniel Bryan is not wrestling and that's the problem with the general manager that doesn't wrestle but takes shots at wrestlers there's no payoff and that's exactly why I aired the Edge interview last week because he said, I'm not going to go into a ring where I can't get touched because if there's no physical payoff, then it won't work. Uh, and so I wonder what exactly is going on with that. And who knows what they've got up their sleeve. I'm optimistic. Who knows? I'm just happy to see The Miz doing something cool. Um, and I'm happy about what John Cena did. And he called out Dean Ambrose. And it fe- you know what it felt like? It felt like the locker room general coming to the ring, the number one guy in the company, coming to the ring and letting the guy who just lost the championship know exactly what's wrong with him. It felt like the 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 the, the Hall of Famer almost coming to the ring and reminding this guy who thinks he's number one that you're not even close. And that's a great story to tell. That's a terrific story to tell. That Dean Ambrose wants John Cena to move over, but John Cena's letting Ambrose know that he doesn't hold a candle to him yet. And he's still got a lot, a lot of a, a lot of growing to do. I can't wait. I'm optimistic. I'm excited. Uh, it's good. 
It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, I want to thank uh, 2K17, WWE 2K17 sponsored today's episode. Uh, you got to get ready to be taking a suplex city, and WWE 2K17 is going to take you there. WWE 2K17 back once again as the defending champion of WWE video games with its cover superstar, Brock Lesnar. WWE 2K17 features amazing graphics and gameplay, as well as a gigantic roster featuring the biggest and brightest WWE and uh, superstars past and present. Pre-order your copy today and receive two playable characters of the legendary Bill Goldberg from his days in WCW and his WWE tenure, as well as two classic WCW arenas. WWE 2K17 hits the shelves October 11th. Pre-order now. Ah, before we go, uh... I didn't, I didn't need to see the Gallows-Anderson New Day match. It was a rematch from SummerSlam, but it's the match that's happening at the pay-per-view in two weeks. Why did, you, why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for joining us here this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to Cody Rhodes, and we will see you for another great show next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.